Well, hello, brethren. Brother Bob here again. This podcast is titled, Let It Be Me, Lord, Who Chooses to Serve You. Now, I'm going to do this podcast to expose those sincere but foolish-thinking believers who teach that God's people cannot choose in their own strength and with their own mind to do those things which please their Heavenly Father. Joshua 24, verse 14 through 15. So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever your idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now own? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I'm doing this podcast to expose the false teaching of biblically ignorant believers who say that if a child of God chooses to do or say anything, that the believer thinks the Lord would see as God edifying or God pleasing, i.e. righteous, that believer is doing a work of the flesh or a work of the devil. That's not what my Bible says, brothers and sisters. Numbers 14.8, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, the land which flows with milk and honey. And Luke chapter 2, verse 13 through 14, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels. The armies of heaven, they were praising God and singing out glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those whom God is pleased with. Are you hearing that? And in this podcast, I'm going to expose the pious sounding but biblically ignorant teaching of those believers who say that the only way that a child of God can do a work that pleases the Lord is if that good work was done through a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, it literally breaks my heart to know that there are many in the church who actually believe this stupid concept. For all you children of God who believe this foolishness, my question to you is, how would you even know if you were doing a good work through the Holy Spirit or through your own righteous effort? In my Bible, Christ tells me that those people who really love me will do as I say. Now, Christ isn't looking for robot love. He's looking for believers to choose in their own minds and in their own flesh and in their own desires through their free will to do as he says. This isn't deep and complicated stuff, church. Now, I get it. The Holy Spirit plays an essential role in the new believer's spiritual growth. But come on. Even our Heavenly Father does not want his children to always be attached to the nipple, i.e. baby's milk, of the Holy Spirit all the days of their earthly lives. So here's some verses from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching other people. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like little babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training and practice and skill recognize the differences between right and wrong. Brethren, who is the writer of the book of Hebrews rebuking in these verses? Is the writer rebuking the Holy Spirit for doing a lousy job of maturing up God's people? No. God's people need to man up and realize that our Heavenly Father gives us the responsibility of choosing to grow up in the things of his written word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman or a workwoman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Hebrews 4.11, 
Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that heavenly rest, so that no one will fall short through following the same example of disobedience that the Old Testament believers did. 2 Peter 3.14 Therefore, beloved, since you look for these eternal things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In all these verses, being diligent in the Greek means to put some human effort into what you are trying to do. Now, I know this concept of believers being responsible for their walk with Christ drives most Pentecostal believers nuts, but too bad. That's how any believer who lives their spiritual life through their emotions responds to what I just said. I am doing this podcast to expose the pious-sounding but biblically ignorant teaching of those believers who say that only a true born-again believer can understand the spiritual truths of God's written word. So here's a question for all you believers who think that only a true born-again believer can understand the spiritual truths of God's written word. Why would you even bother trying to teach your children, ages 5 through 16, or or young children at the church, the truths of God's written word, if, in your words, they're not going to be able to understand, i.e. figure out, what you are trying to teach them about God's word anyways? That question alone should make God's people realize how moronic it is to think that only born-again, spirit-led, and spirit-filled people can understand God's written word after hearing or reading it. So if you have been taught those four religious philosophies that I just mentioned, you've been lied to. Again, not only does the Lord expect his children to be doing righteous stuff, he expects his children to be choosing in their minds and through their strength while using their free will to always be trying to do those things which please the Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Brother Bob. What do you mean the Lord expects his children to be doing righteous stuff by their own choosing or through their own strength? Now, I've already given you examples of that already. However, before I answer that question in more depth, here's a Christianity 1.0 teaching into the very, very deep spiritual meaning of the word righteous. Are you ready? Do you have a paper and pencil? To do something righteous means, wait for it, wait for it, to do what's right. I know. Spiritually deep stuff, isn't it? No, of course I was being sarcastic with what I just said about the deep meaning of the word righteous. Even from a biblical perspective, the word righteous or righteousness does not have some deep spiritual convoluted meaning. Now, I believe that the Bible shows that there are two types or examples of righteousness. However, both types of biblical righteousness have to do with people choosing to do the right thing. There is a righteousness that a person receives from the Lord when they do the right thing, i.e. righteous thing, and believe the gospel of Christ. A person who does the wrong thing, i.e. the unright thing of not believing the gospel of Christ, is not seen as righteous, i.e. doing the right thing in God's eyes, and spends their eternity paying the price for not choosing to do the right, i.e. righteous thing. Now in this world there are many lost people who choose to do the right things in their lives. Not all lost people are serial killers or child molesters. This world is full of lost people who live good and decent lives. And that's a good thing for the rest of us who are also trying to live good and decent lives. The problem that God has with lost people is not that they are not trying to live good and decent lives. The problem that the Lord has with lost people is that they refuse to accept the fact that even though they are trying to live good and decent lives, they are not living their good and decent lives perfectly, i.e. sinless. Lost people, just like saved people, are sinners, regardless if they are trying to live good and decent lives. So even though most lost people are trying to live good and decent lives, 
They will not live their lives without sinning. Because lost people make the wrong choice when it comes to choosing or not choosing Christ as their Savior, they end up in eternity paying for all their sins because they did not believe that Christ paid for them. So what I'm going to say next is important, so pay attention. Lost people don't end up in hell because they never do good or decent things. They end up in hell because they rejected the blood of Christ, which washes away the bad or sinful things they will do. There are a lot of people in hell who live decent earthly lives, even though they never accepted Christ as their Savior. But again, trying to live a good and decent earthly life does not remove one's sins. Trying to live a good and decent life simply makes a person a decent citizen of planet Earth. And Lord knows, I would like to live on a planet with people who are trying to live good and decent lives rather than people who are living immoral, wicked, and rebellious lives. Now, I just shared all that because the Lord has always been about people, lost or saved, choosing to do the right thing and not the wrong thing in their lives. The good Lord created all humans with the free will ability to make good or bad choices. The problem is, is nobody on planet Earth can make good or bad choices perfectly right every time. Most people on planet Earth choose to do mostly good and decent things. Most people on planet Earth choose not to do bad things. Again, that's a good thing. Now again, trying to live a good and decent life does not remove one's sins. It simply makes you a good citizen. Now when a lost person truly believes the gospel of Christ, they are doing the necessary right, i.e. righteous thing in God's eyes, that is needed to get saved. And a result of a lost person choosing to do the right thing, which is accepting Christ as their Savior, the Lord, for the first time in that person's life, sees that person as a new child of the faith. So when a lost person accepts Christ as their Savior, the Lord sees that as a right, i.e. righteous decision. So he, the Lord, then applies the righteous work of Christ, i.e. Christ's blood, to that new believer's sin debt. The bottom line is, is that getting initially saved is not the result of a lost person's good works, but rather the result of a lost person intellectually choosing to make the right decision to accept Christ as their Savior. God will not force anyone to get born again. God will not force anyone to accept Christ as their Savior. Now, does the Holy Spirit play a part in that lost person's journey to come to know Christ? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit will only lead or enlighten that lost person. He will not drag them across the finish line of salvation. There are no good works involved in the initial salvation of a lost person. Just right choices. The same cannot be said for someone who is already saved. A believer in Christ can absolutely do those right, righteous things which please the Father. In fact, God's people are commanded over and over and over again in the Bible to choose to do those right, righteous things which please the Lord. And when a believer does choose to do those right, i.e. righteous things that God expects his children to do, God sees his child as being righteous in their walk. So there are two types of righteousness in the Bible. Understand that there's an initial saving righteousness that a person gets by simply believing in the gospel of Christ. That initial saving righteousness is what makes us a child of the Lord. However, that initial saving faith righteousness does not make a believer righteous in their walk. There is a walk of righteousness that a believer can accomplish or achieve by being faithful to God's commandments once they're born again. And it's this walk of righteousness, i.e. choosing to do what is right in God's eyes according to his word, which determines how well things will go for the child of God at the judgment seat of Christ. It's this walk of righteousness, 
i.e., again, choosing to do what's right in God's eyes according to his written word, which determines what kind of rewards or special honors a believer will receive at the judgment seat of Christ. It's the believer's faithful walk of righteousness, again, i.e., choosing to do what's right in God's eyes according to his written word, which will determine if a believer hears, Well done, good and faithful servant, or I'm ashamed of you. Brethren, we need to understand that this walk of righteousness will only happen if we allow ourselves, i.e. choose to, walk in obedience to God's written word. And not only do we need to walk in obedience to the Lord's written word, we need to walk in obedience to those parts of the Bible that are for the church age. The scriptures have numerous examples of people who already had salvation righteousness because of their initial faith in God, who were later on in their Christian life as they learned to walk in obedience to God's word, who were seen by the Lord as being doubly righteous because they chose to obey God's commandments. Abraham is a good example of a believer who already had salvation righteousness, who was then seen by the Lord as being righteous in his walk. Abraham already had salvation righteousness, i.e. he was saved, yet years later he faithfully obeyed the Lord's commandment to offer up his only son Isaac. This act of obedience by Abraham resulted in the Lord seeing Abraham as being righteous in his walk with the Lord. Now a believer doing or not doing those right, i.e. righteous things that our Heavenly Father commands us to do, does not save or keep his child saved. Doing those right, righteous things that our Heavenly Father commands us to do earns his children eternal rewards. Choosing to not do those things that our Heavenly Father commands His children to do will result in them being seen as unrighteous in their walk at the judgment seat of Christ, and they will be rebuked and condemned or judged for their lack of faithfulness. So at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord will fairly determine how righteous and or how unrighteous a believer was in their walk with the Lord and give that believer exactly what they deserve. At the judgment seat of Christ, there is no reward or blessing or honor for simply being born again. Let me say that again. There is no reward or honor or blessing at the judgment seat of Christ for a believer who simply was or got born again. Now, it's still better to be born again and end up at the judgment seat of Christ and to be found to have few or little rewards than to spend your eternity in hell. Amen? So let me go back to the question statement that was brought up in the beginning of this podcast. Question was, what do you mean, Brother Bob, that the Lord expects his children to be doing righteous stuff, that means the right stuff, by their own choosing and through their own strength? Brethren, way back in the beginning, when the Lord commanded Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit of this one tree, do you think the Lord gave Adam and Eve that one commandment, knowing that they had no hope of obeying it? Absolutely not. In all actuality, it was not that hard of a commandment to obey. Abraham's commandment to offer up his son was a much more difficult commandment to obey than the commandment God gave Adam and Eve, and yet Abraham was faithful. That's why he was called righteous. Do you think that the Lord expected Adam and Eve to pray about the commandment God gave them, seeking his counsel on if he wanted them to do as he commanded? Absolutely not. The good Lord wanted Adam and Eve, just like Abraham, to choose to do what he commanded. God absolutely believed that Adam and Eve could obey that one commandment without any problem, if they so chose to do so. And the proof of that is that God held them accountable for not obeying it. Adam and Eve had the option of choosing to do the right, i.e. righteous thing, or the non-right, or the unrighteous thing in God's eyes. 
and we all know which choice they made. Now, Adam and Eve did not stop being God's children because they did the unrighteous thing instead of the righteous thing. They simply suffered the consequences for making the wrong choice. Brethren, is there any place in the scriptures where it shows God not holding his children accountable for choosing to do the wrong thing? No, there's not one single spot. Brethren, is there any place in the scriptures where it shows God chewing out Christ or the Holy Spirit for doing a lousy job with his people? Nope, not one single spot. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we believers must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the wrong we have done in this earthly body. Only a person who does not know the scriptures would teach you that God doesn't hold his children accountable in this life or the next for either the good works or the bad works they have done. Now here's an important side note to what I just said. When I tell you that the Lord is going to hold his children accountable for the bad things or the bad teachings or the bad advice that they have done, that doesn't mean that he will hold his children accountable for all those bad works or bad things that they did that they genuinely repented of. I believe that some of the bad or evil works that some of God's people will give an account for at the judgment seat will be the promoting of clearly unbiblical teaching and doctrines as though they were for the church when they're not, and avoiding doing those things which are clearly biblical. Believers need to understand that the judgment seat of Christ, God's children, and not the Holy Spirit, are going to be held accountable for the good and or worthless works that they choose to do. Brethren, there's a long list of unbiblical teachings going on in today's churches. And why is it that believers hold carnal believers accountable for choosing to go carnal, which is a good thing to do, while at the same time not giving credit to the faithful believer who chooses to do those things from the scriptures which please the Lord? Brethren, it's never righteous, i.e. right, to add to or take away from God's written word for his church. I believe another work that God will see as being evil at the judgment seat of Christ will be the works done by believers using teachings out of the scriptures that were not for the church age. I believe another work that God will see as being evil at the judgment seat of Christ will be those spiritual works that God's people accomplish using the world's ways or the world's philosophies, like the whole realm of Christian psychiatry. You're probably wondering, who would purposely choose to do that, Brother Bob? Brethren, the churches are loaded with church leaders who are continually doing, using, and or promoting the unbiblical ways and practices of this secular world all the time. Just go to a Christian bookstore. 80% of the books in there have nothing to do with the Bible, at least not Bible truths. Now, I'm not going to get into all the examples of that happening in a church, but it's happening all the time. And probably the most obvious example of that is how the church is starting to tolerate in the name of love all the different aspects of homosexual behavior. We're supposed to love the sinner, not the sin. But mark my words, write this down. You're going to see a lot more churches fallen by the wayside as they start to accept the different homosexual behaviors, knowing if they don't, there'll be consequences for their tax benefits. Just take some time and go listen to my other podcasts on the topics of false teachers and false prophets in the church. You'll be amazed. Again, the Lord has always been about his people, or even lost people, choosing to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. Here's God speaking. Cain, I know you meant well when you offered me the harvest of your garden when you came to offer me a sacrifice, but you chose to do the wrong thing. And because of that, Cain was punished by the Lord. Moses, I know you were angry and frustrated with my rebellious people when, they, when you lashed out me in anger and struck me in the desert, but you chose to do the wrong thing, Moses. And now it's going to cost you your ministry and your life. The holy and just God of the Bible either killed or punished 
or allowed millions of his people to suffer and die in the desert because they chose to do the wrong thing, i.e. the non-right thing, the unrighteous thing, instead of choosing to do the right, the righteous thing. King Saul, I'm aware that you were in a rush to offer me a sacrifice, but you chose to do the wrong thing, and now it's going to cost you your kingship. I could go on and on and on with biblical examples of God holding his people accountable for choosing to not do the right thing, which is the righteous thing in God's eyes, and instead choosing to do the wrong thing, which is the unrighteous thing, and suffering dearly for choosing to make the wrong decision. Those were God's children that suffered for being disobedient. Those weren't lost pagan tribe people. Having an initial salvation righteousness did not save them from suffering the consequences of being disobedient. So the scriptures are crystal clear. A believer who already has salvation righteousness can be seen as being righteous in their walk by simply choosing to do those things that the Lord deems to be right. And a believer who already has salvation righteousness will be seen as being unrighteous for choosing to do those things that the Lord deems wrong. Brethren, this is not rocket science stuff. Brethren, quit listening to those church leaders who lead you using their feelings instead of their God-created brains. Now, I'm going to take this biblical concept that God's people absolutely can't choose through their own strength and free will to do those things which please the Lord. One step further and say, if you are a believer and you are not striving through your own human effort to do those good deeds, i.e. good works that please the Father, your faith is useless to God. What good does it do God to have a bunch of children who are saved who aren't doing what he says? When we got born again, the good Lord changed our heart and mind so that we could do those good works which please the Father. Our Heavenly Father didn't save us so we could play church or sit around all day playing computer games or watching Netflix movies. There's a whole world out there that needs help. And if God's people are not going to do good works, they're useless to the Father. What good does it do for the Lord to have children who aren't choosing to at least try to do those things that he asked them to do. Christ asked the question, why do you call me Lord and then not do as I say? You see, when God's people choose to do as Christ says, they are doing the right, righteous thing in God's eyes. Side note, I hope you are aware that Yeshua's words are not just the things that he taught during his time on earth. Christ is God. Yeshua Christ is the word of God who became a man. Christ, the word of God, is the supernatural spokesperson for the Trinity. Everything in the scriptures that has been revealed to mankind came from the spoken word of God, who is Yeshua Christ. So that means that all of the scriptures is the word of Christ, who is God. Sadly, I have to share that because there are people in a church who will say, I don't do this or I, do, I don't do that because Christ himself never taught that, even though it's in the Bible. Christ never taught that. that that's the words of Peter or the words of Paul or the words of Jude. That's not the words of Christ. That's how silly some believers are in the church. Now, any of you who've had teenage children will relate to what I say next. Having teenage children was the most frustrating time of my life, especially the boys. Unless you were fortunate enough to have an angelic child, trying to get your teenager to do as you say the very first time just isn't going to happen. And it's not going to happen over and over and over again. Now, I love my children simply because they were my children. However, there were numerous occasions when I easily could have taken them out, if you know what I mean. Good thing I got a godly wife who stopped me. Just kidding, just kidding. But I know a bunch of you out there right now are saying, Amen, brother, Amen. Well, that scenario plays out in our Heavenly Father's realm all the time. Our Heavenly Father is simply trying to get His children to do the right, the righteous things 
so they don't have to face the consequences for doing the wrong, i.e. unrighteous things, and yet time after time they disobeyed him. Anyways, I digress. Let me repeat my thought from above again. I'm going to take this biblical concept that God's people absolutely can choose through their own strength and free will to do those right things that please the Lord one step further and say, if you are a believer and you are not striving through your own human effort to do those good deeds, i.e. good works that please the Father, your faith is useless to God. Now I know I need to say something here about what I just said in order to put some of you feely, emotionally led, immature believers at ease. I'm quite aware that the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in raising up a child of God to spiritual maturity. Brethren, Christ said, apart from him, we could not accomplish those righteous deeds that please the Father. And I'm quite aware that a believer must be abiding with Christ in order to continue to grow in the truths of God's written word. However, what Christ did not say was that he or the Holy Spirit was going to do everything for us. Please listen carefully to what I say next. After being in God's word for over 40 years, four zero years, I have grown and matured a lot in the truths of the Bible. I'm quite aware that as I sincerely studied and learned God's word, my Heavenly Father supernaturally blessed me through the Holy Spirit's wisdom and insight to see and know more and more about the deeper things of God's written word. However, once I learned these biblical things that pleased my Heavenly Father, I didn't have to be retaught over and over and over again about what those biblical truths were and what God wanted me to do. Let me use an analogy. I'm going to compare my learning of God's word to learning how to brush my teeth. My mom, i.e. my Holy Spirit back then, was right there explaining every step of the process of brushing your teeth for the first time. Now, once I learned how to brush my teeth, I did not have to relearn or be retaught how to brush my teeth every time I brushed my teeth. And I didn't have to take the tube out and read the instructions. Now, let's see, I put that on here, I do that up and down, back, I know. Okay, are you still with me? It's the same with God's word. Are you seriously studying and learning the teaching of God's Word? If you are, your brain retains that information, especially if you are constantly reading and studying the Scriptures. So as you learn God's Word, you learn those things that please the Lord and those things that don't please the Lord. And you simply choose to do the things that please the Lord and don't do the things that don't please the Lord. James chapter 2, verse 21, it says, when, Was not Abraham our father justified? That word justified is righteous, made righteous by the works he did when he chose to offer up Isaac, his son, on the altar. You see, that faith that Abraham had was working with his works. And as a result of the works, his faith was perfected or matured. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says that Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now, when it says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, this verse is not talking about Abraham's initial salvation righteousness. Abraham had been saved for a long time when he was going to do what he did with Isaac. This verse is talking about Abraham's walk of righteousness. Abraham choosing to do as the Lord asked him made him right in God's eyes. And as a result, Abraham was seen as being righteous by the Lord. Now, please understand that Abraham was not supernaturally moved by the Holy Spirit to be faithful to God's command to offer up his son. God did not put Abraham into some kind of hypnotic trance and trick him into offering up his son Isaac. Abraham, through his own free will and through his own physical and mental strengths, walked with Isaac up that mountain and built an altar to the Lord. Now, to be fair, Abraham's faith was so strong that he sincerely believed that even if he had sacrificed his son, God would supernaturally bring Isaac back to life. That's amazing faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. It was by faith that Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing Abraham. 
Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Brethren, we need to understand that the Lord absolutely expects his children through their free will and through their own strength to do the things he asks us to do. Now, are there some things that come our way in this life where we will need God's supernatural help? Absolutely. But a lot of God's commandments are things that we can accomplish on our own if we so choose to simply obey him. Church, that's what the whole reward system is about. A lot of God's commandments are things that we can accomplish on our own. And God promises his children that if we are faithful in obeying his written word, he will reward us in the next life. John 5, 28 through 29. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have done bad will rise to experience judgment. Keep in mind that those believers in the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit living inside them. In fact, for the most part, believers in the Old Testament, there was no Holy Spirit around them at all. And yet the Lord expected his children to do as he said or else. And again, when a child of God does as the Lord says, they are doing the right thing. And they will be seen by the Lord as being righteous in their walk. Brethren, it's not biblically wrong or fleshly to be choosing in our own minds and through our own free will to strive or to put some human effort into trying to do those things which please our Heavenly Father. I think it's scandalous that there are church leaders who openly teach God's people that there is nothing, zero, nothing righteous that a child of God can do through their own strength or through their own desires or through their own wishes that God sees as being right. you got to be kidding me. But yet a lot of sheep are swallowing this hook, line, and sinker. Let me just read a few verses from the book of Ephesians, which is written to church believers. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. Don't allow there to be sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Do not allow obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes to be among you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Again, brethren, this is written to believers, not lost people. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Do not be fooled by those who try to excuse these things, for the anger of God will fall on all of those who disobey him. Do not participate in the things these people speak of, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from God. So choose to live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So be careful and determine what pleases the Lord. Brethren, all these do nots and do's and lets and chooses and carefully determine are words that are directed at God's people, not the Holy Spirit. Who do you think the Lord expects to do the do's and to do the new nots in these verses? And not just in these verses, in all the New Testament verses directed at church age believers. Not the Holy Spirit. Not an angel of the Lord, not the church leader. The good Lord expects his children to not only obey all the do's and do nots, he also expects them to do all the verses that imply to do or to do not. Again, this is pretty simple Christianity, but if the believer chooses to do the do's and obey the do nots, they will be seen as being righteous, i.e. doing the right thing in God's eyes. 
Sad we live in a time in the church when professing born-again church leaders are shaming and or rebuking believers who choose on their own to try to serve their Heavenly Father. I truly believe that there's a large group of spiritually ignorant believers out there in the church who sincerely believe that the literal words written down in the pages of the scriptures are so supernatural and so holy that the only way for a child of God to learn and to know those sacred words is to sit by their Bible and wait for the cover of that Bible to begin to glow in the dark and then to supernaturally flip open by itself and, and then to watch those magical words on the paper start to glow and then begin to morph into some kind of a mystical vapor which then penetrates into the believer's nose, eyes, and mouth to finally come to rest deep in the brain cells of the believer. Okay, 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 I know I'm going to have to stop there. I'm going too far, but you get my point. I hope you understand my point for sharing that silly story of what it takes for God's word to reach a believer's brain cells. It's sarcasm. What I was sharing is sarcasm. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and on your mind. You shall teach them diligent to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead. That means always in the front of your mind. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Listen to me, brethren. From the very beginning of the scriptures until the very end of the scriptures, the Lord holds his people accountable for either choosing to obey or disobey his written word. The concept that any righteous biblical works that a faithful believer chooses to try to do for the Lord is fleshly and a waste of time is simply moronic. There's people who actually believe that. Do you imagine that? There's people who teach that if a child of God strives to do those things which please the Father, it's a fleshly work. How stupid are these people? Church, God saved us to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good things, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure for a good foundation in the future. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us will be repaid for the deeds we've done in the body, whether it was done good or whether we did bad. Titus 1.16, Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable, disobedient, worthless for any good thing. It says in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, That all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Okay, are you listening to this stuff? I could go on and on and on, giving you all kinds of verses that show that it's the believer's responsibility to choose to do those things which please the Father. Now again, I'm quite aware that if it were not for the Holy Spirit doing a supernatural work in this one spiritually dead mind, of mine, I would not be where I am today in my walk with the Lord. However, even with that said, I absolutely know that the Holy Spirit can only do so much for any child of God. The Holy Spirit does not force or make a child of God open their Bible and study it and learn it. The Holy Spirit does not force or make a child of God share their faith with lost people. The Holy Spirit does not force or make a child of God pray or obey God or keep his commandments. 
I could go on and on and on. This is our responsibility, church. We need to quit making excuses for not serving God and understand that there's going to come a day when we're going to stand in the presence of the Lion of Judah and give an account of why we did what we did and why we believed what we believed. So here's my closing thoughts on this topic. On Judgment Day, I want it to be me who chose to try to walk in obedience to God's written word. I want it to be me who chose to walk in a manner worthy of my king. I want it to be me who earned the praise and honor for the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm hoping to hear that. I live in America. I have a pretty cushy life. I might not hear that. I want it to be me who earned the crown of life. Listen carefully to what I'm going to share with you next. If the good Lord finds me faithful at the judgment seat of Christ and rewards me with the crown of life, and then, after giving me this crown of life, he says, Brother Bob, I just want to let you know that you did nothing to earn or merit that crown of life. I will give the crown of life back to Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord deems me faithful and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. And then says, Oh, by the way, Brother Bob, you did nothing to earn that praise of being good and faithful. All your good works were done by the Holy Spirit. I will not accept God's view of me being good and faithful. Now, I know these things will not happen because I know that God is faithful to his written word. And he promises to reward those children of his who are faithful. His written word clearly shows me that my heavenly father does reward those children of his that he deems faithful. Again, he deems faithful, not Brother Bob. God does not reward his unfaithful children. There are no participation trophies in heaven. Matthew 24, verse 46. If the master returns and finds his servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, oh, my master is not coming back for a long time, and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? Well, that master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know that my heavenly father is pleased when a lost person becomes his child. But God can make children out of stones if he wanted to. Nothing pleases the Father more than to see his children learning and then obeying his word. And I want it to be me who chooses to serve my king and not someone else serving him for me. All of scriptures clearly show that God's children have always had to earn or merit the Lord's eternal rewards or blessings. So if you're not already serious about learning and then obeying God's written word for the church, I would encourage you to get serious real soon. Because in eternity... All that's going to matter to God is if we did our good, i.e. righteous works, according to his written word, which will earn us a reward, and even an attaboy in eternity. So I say, woe unto you, believers, who knew the right thing to do, and you chose not to do it for whatever sinful reasons. Isaiah 48:18. If only my children had paid attention to my commandments, then their well-being would be like a river, and their walk of righteousness like the ways of the sea. If you're a believer who is already sincerely trying to do those things that please your Heavenly Father, continue to stay faithful to what He shows you as you read and study and then obey what you learn. Because difficult times are coming, brethren. Difficult times for the faithful believers in the church. And if you don't commit yourself to obeying His word now, you most definitely will not obey it when the going gets rough. The days are coming and are already here when many in the church will fall away from the sound teachings of God's word intended for His people because of the pressures and the worries of this world. A lot of believers today are hearers and not doers of God's word. The Lord has a special place in his heart and in his heavenly kingdom for those children of his who try to stay true to his commandments for the church. 
And even though you might not do everything right according to his word, just the fact that you are trying to do what's right will definitely be pleasing to the Lord. As a word of encouragement to you, Christ promised that if anyone loves me, they will keep my word. And if they do that, my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our abode with them. If you want the Lord close to you, brethren, you have to stay close to his word. I promise you the Spirit of the living God will guide and enlighten you as you go on your journey to know his word. Colossians 1, 9-10 So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I promise you that if you are striving to walk in a manner which pleases the Lord according to his written word, it is you who is choosing to do that. And I promise you that if you are striving to walk in a manner which pleases the Lord according to his written word, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at the judgment seat of Christ. Only because you chose in your mind and in your heart to walk in a way that was pleasing to God. Your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob. I only love him because he first loved me.